bro story. I'm on the road, doing this gig, having a break at the bar. Bro comes up to me, says, where you from, bro? Bros always want to know where you from before they want to know who you are. I say, nowhere in particular, bro. Bro says, that's the same as everywhere in general, eh, bro? I say, yeah, suppose it must be, bro. Bro says, no suppose about it, bro, because I'm from the same place. We must be far no, eh? I say, yeah, must be, bro. Bro looks at me, says, you got the mana, bro? He's asking a question, not making a statement. I say, we born with the mana. Bro says, yeah, but did you keep it? I say, bro, that's a heavy question. Bro says, that's the only kind of question worth asking. So I have to pause for some consideration. I have to get introspective. Glib answers don't cut it with the heavy questions. I have to search my soul. I have to investigate the wairua. I have to pick that scab. Bro says, well, bro, did you keep it? I say, bro, I'm thinking on it. Bro says, well, while you're thinking, must be your shout, eh? Here you go. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I quite like that one. Yeah, because that actually happened to you, didn't it? Uh, yeah, in a manner of speaking, yeah, it did. <laughs> like with the amount of gigging and stuff that you do, that must happen to you often. It does, it does, yeah. People sussing out how mouldy you are. Yeah, it's a funny thing, eh? <laughs> it's a, it's an interesting thing, eh? It, it, Christchurch is one of the only towns in the country where complete strangers will walk up to me and go, oh, are you from the North Island, bro? <laughs> yeah, I don't know what to make of that. You've lived in Christchurch a while, though, right, Ben? Yes, yeah. We've been here since, um, well, I've been here since 2001. And how supportive is the community for your poetry? Uh, I find a lot of support down here. It's it's kind of where I made my bones, if you like. Littleton in particular. It's quite a sort of a funky little artistic community here in Littleton. And they're pretty open. I was brought up in the Motueka Valley. And your whānau are tobacco growers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, both of them, both my parents wound up in, in the Motueka Valley in the 50s as seasonal workers. Uh, Mum came down from Waikato, she's, she's Tainui Waikato, and uh, Dad was uh, one of the rowdy Australians that used to come <laughs> over and get amongst it. So, yeah. So how is it that you ended up making a career out of your writing? Oh, well, um, well, I think... I think I'd have to thank my father for that. He was he was a um, he was a prolific reader, and and a great believer in literature and words and books. And he used to wander around the tobacco paddock quoting poetry and uh, quite a yeah incongruous figure really, <laughs> short and stocky and red haired and blue eyes and built like a little tank. And he used to spout T. S. Eliot and all kinds of stuff. And it was yeah he was and he was he was always pushing all of us kids into books. Read 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 read. He was a believer in it. Are you a believer in it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it took me a while to get going, I have to admit, as a kid, because, you know, I grew up in a pretty place by a river and there was always lots to do and I could never sort of, um, you know, <laughs> there never seemed to be time to sit down and read when you could be doing a whole bunch of other stuff. But, yeah, no, I got right into it. He threw a book of Tom Sawyer at me once and that was it. And how long did it take for you to start developing your voice? Yeah, um, uh that's interesting. I mean, I, I remember being at, when I was at high school, 
Teoti College and um, the principal of our day in, in the 70s, Awi Riddell, was, he was big on, on, um, on oratory and, you know, pushing the boys to get up and, and have a say, you know, have a court at all. And that was all part of it. And, and I think there I probably started to, to really get going in terms of speaking and engaging. And, um, and I remember seeing Uppy Taylor when I was in the third form, fourth form. He'd just published his first, first collection, I think, 1976, 77. And he came and did a tour. He was doing tours of schools and stuff. And watching him stand up on a marae and do um, Sad Joke on a marae and, and, and some of his other work, that just that impressed the hell out of me. So. Oh, sad Joke on a marae. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> to the freezing work. I guess, mm, so. mm. I'm Marae Rakaraku, and I'm talking with uh, writer and poet Ben Brown. Now, your latest collection... That's been published. Yes, Between the Kindling and the Blaze. Reflections on the concept of mana. Indeed. Eki. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hope I'm not being pretentious and trying to off. But no, I mean, yeah, it's, mana as a concept fascinates me, and, and, and um, it's, it's a notion that I really wanted to explore. It's, uh, it has to do with with what I think it means or, and it, well, it has to do with a lot of things it has to do with the fact that it's a Maori word that's transcended the culture and it's, it's um, it has to do with human conduct and how we, we engage with the world around us it's all of it. it's a big thing to me and I don't begin for a minute to understand it completely and I'm certainly not <laughs> getting in people's faces telling them this is what it is it's just my thoughts on it and yeah Mana. Mana is my grandfather, in his retirement from the darkness and depths and ingrained dust of the coal mine, to mow the marae lawn that extends to the front door of his twice-built house, with two coal ovens eternally warm beneath the simmering pots of the boil-up, behind unlocked doors where footwear for a centipede aligns beneath his broad veranda. Mana is his right to deafness when the noise of meaninglessness assails his ears and he sees fit to visit his church of ancestors and lost lovers, whispering his corridor to them amid the clamour of grandchildren and aunties. Aunties think they run his world, yet he remains remote from their cacophony. Never mind, they mean well, eh? Mana is the pinstripe suit, immaculately pressed and never out of fashion, hung for Sundays and marae committee meetings and visits out of the rohe to see his daughter or his son or his countless mokopuna, dry-cleaned and crisp to match the obsidian shine of his shoes and the jaunt of his dark fedora. Mana is the man who does without saying. You know, that's an apt poem there about what mana is. I think so, and and to me, when I think about my grandfather, he to me he would be the archetype of a man with mana, and and it was nothing to do with his, you know that. I have this thing, you know, if 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 I if I look at a person and they stand up and present themselves to the world in such a way that says I've got mana and you have to listen to me, then they don't have mana. <laughs> they don't have mana. <laughs> Yeah, or, or at least I could do with a little bit more of it. Um, my grandfather, to me, was you know he was he was gentle. He was uh, he just went about his day and did good in the world. But he was strong and he was compassionate and um, deeply, deeply loyal to his whānau and his people. And he was just a good, decent man. 
way he engaged with the world was was I thought always thought awesome. And and he was and he was he was, he was quite an old world Maori. You know, he's gone now. And he died in 1996. Um, but yeah, my my uncles and cousins are still up there at the pub, you know, conducting themselves pretty much the way he did, getting the job done. You know, no fuss, no nonsense, just getting out there and doing the work. And that's bit like yourself, Ben. Well, <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, I've, I've had a few slips along the way, so uh, I'm always learning. But but you have written pretty much consistently, haven't you? Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Since 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 we sat down in 1990-1991 and decided we were going to make a go, this is me and my ex-partner, and she's an illustrator, and I started writing. I started writing kids' books when I was sitting in law lectures at Varsity, slowly failing law, really. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just distracted, and uh, uh, yeah, no, and I'm I, I've stuck to it ever since. It words, you know, just words, language. Um, engaging in that way, that's that's what turns me on. Which also means there's been a market for it, right? Well, yeah, we've been, we've, yeah, we've done all right. You know, I mean, it's, the other part of it too is, you know, I, at some point made up my mind, I'm going to sit down and try to make a life out of this and a living. And, and mm. Nine out of ten people tell you you're barking mad, but uh, to me that's part of the deal, you know. Um, just, there's no plan B. <laughs> so, um, I mean, part of that is, is, is is getting into things like gigging and, and, and broadening your repertoire and, and, you know, doing freelance writing. And, you know, I'm a pen for hire in a lot of ways. <laughs> You've diversified. Well, yeah, yeah. And, and partly by necessity and partly just because I enjoy exploring as many avenues to do with words as I can. Um, yeah, and I'll, if someone else gives me something to write tomorrow, I'll try and write it. So, so Ben, what's the response of Māori when they hear your works? Um, good, I think, yeah. Uh, I'm a bit lacking on te reo, uh, which, which, which sort of annoys me. But um, most of my themes that I write, especially in poetry, have to do with the Māori world, or at least my, my experience within it. Um, you know, I come from both sides of the blanket, so I've got a good look at that. Um, oh, I've, I've had nothing but encouragement. And, you know, good for you, boy. Get out there, get amongst it, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Have you found that you've had to become the Māori expert in other settings? Um, well, in the South Island, yes. I mean, you know, there's a lot of presumptions made because you're the brown face in the white room kind of thing. Mm. Um, so you're knowledgeable about all things Māori? <laughs> well, I'm not as knowledgeable as No, I no, like, no, but... that's the presumption that's made. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah, no, that's definitely the presumption, <laughs> often. <laughs> And it, it, yeah, it can be a funny scenario sometimes, but I'm comfortable with it. Awkward? Um, it can get a little awkward. Generally, I'm yeah, you know, I can I can write awkward, but it's yeah, no, I, I'm comfortable with what I know, and and uh, I'm I'm happy to have a conversation or a discussion or even an argument about it. But um, yeah, it's it's okay. Hey, Ben, are you one of those OCD writers who's always writing things that people say and going, oh, I, ne- I feel a poem coming on? <laughs> like I'm some of my mates. I'm certainly an OCD writer. <laughs> if I hear a good line and I haven't got a notebook on me, I've, I've got my head around the little note application on my cell phone now. So, <laughs> it's yeah, no, I write seven days a week. Um, every day I'll get up and write something on my computer or in my notebook or wherever I happen to be. If I hear it or see it, or I, I think that's part of the deal, personally. For me, you know, I walk around with open eyes and an open heart and 
whatever comes into my head, if it sounds good to me, I'll put it down and file it away for future. Re- I've got a file on my computer that says stuff for future reference, and it's <laughs> lines and lines and pages and pages of random stuff. And yeah. Have there been any setbacks? Um, yes. Well, when I say setbacks, I guess you know, it's. I mean, yeah. Um, well, we're changing trends, um, changing moods in the publishing industry, um, dry spells where you sort of... I mean, it's not a given that because you've been published a couple of times that, that someone's going to pick up everything you do. That's, that was certainly an illusion that was knocked out of us a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, you just roll with it, you know. Um, and sometimes it's this, you get a change. You want to, you, you know, you, I guess you feel like you're writing yourself into the same corner all the time and you, and you maybe want to break out and try something else. That can be different. Um, a few personal issues along the way that get in the way of the work, stuff like that. But yeah, I think you know everybody has that in whatever whatever mode of life they take. So and other than that, it's just kept on burning and yay. Well, yeah, oh yeah, yeah. You know, I'm going to drop dead with something unfinished. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, to me, there's no shortage of material. I go out every day and have a look around and listen to things and talk to people. And I've got my own ideas floating around in my head. And, I'm always working on at least two pieces, and you know, every now and then you get a phone call or a, or an email from someone who wants something that's just out of left field. It's it's it's. I love it. It's an exciting way to make a living. So that'd be your it. advice to people who are you know wanting to write or have lost a little bit of heart with it. Just persevere. Oh, persevere. Believe, believe, absolutely believe that what you're doing is worth it. I mean, the greatest satisfaction for me is that I can sit down and and. Just by, just by the sheer kind of, well, just by thinking something up and 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 turning into something, uh, someone else can come along and find a value in it. I I love that idea, and and I believe in what I write and and how I write it, and I think I'm pretty good at it. And I'd say that's to anyone who wants to be a writer or a painter or a muse. Just believe in what you're doing and keep doing it. And for a writer, read, <laughs> read a lot. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Finish what you started. That was what my dad always used to tell me, finish what you started. <laughs> this is called President of the World. One day, I will be President of the World. I will because I saw my father break his hands on stone and render dust. My father used to say a man can change a speck into a spiral universe if he has dreams or is deluded. Certain medications I have found chill out the downside of delusion, yet still allow a happy ending. Father, you were right, but in the wrong way. The man who paid you to break your hands, he's the man who made the spiral universe. Anyway, that short-term medicated buzz requires constant topping up. Though ignorance can quiet any doubt, I have to ask you to your face, have you been out lately? Have you been round coherently and seen the good news, televised through fish-like eyes, accorded truth? Go look it up. It's under T. It's in the Dictionary of the Damned, and all I have to say to that is, one day I will be president of the world. I will because my daughter's feet are too small for my mother's shoes. 
though she will walk as many miles more delicate, more beautiful, less indiscriminate with her rage, though every woman should have rage within her somewhere. Bless you, mum, your unforgiving hands caress or crush in equal measure. Bless you, my little girl, you have learned your anger well. Apply with subtlety and discretion. What will you do if the fire starts to fade? You will survive because your father will be president of the world. Hey, my son, why do you challenge me? Why do you imagine that your meager time within this bubble is more meaningful than mine? I'll tell you why. Because I put the words into your mouth that say so. The son should always outshine the father should grow taller and more arrogant, should know things the father does not know, should beat him in arm wrestles and drinking games, should lend him money when he is broke and accept that he may never pay it back, unless, of course, he becomes the president of the world. When I am president of the world, I will produce an executive order demanding that all things beautiful must cut you, gently for the most part, but viciously, if you refuse to see or hear or feel or taste or otherwise sense the very epitome of grace, I have been cut. The blade is beautiful and sharp. I could describe her to you, name her even, point her out. But. Kia ora. <laughs>